Hey everyone, welcome back to Listen For Real. I'm Jennifer Brown and I am very excited to be here today with Kalita Maloof. She is so dazzling and and in more ways than one. And I'm excited you're joining us because this conversation is going a little different direction. There's been a lot of heaviness, heaviness in my various episodes this last um, number of months because there have been important topics that need to be covered and sometimes those are heavy. But there is also a lightness to the work Kalita does and lightness I don't mean in the term of being simple or irrelevant. I mean a lightness in that it is incredibly deep and freeing and just gives us a buoyancy and an elevation and amplifies us as as women especially. But as human beings, there's just a beauty in your work. And so Kalita, I am excited that everyone gets to jump on the couch with us, so to speak, Yay. and have this conversation, right? I mean, it's just so nice to have everyone here. And y'all, I met Kalita because I was invited to a screening of a short film that she created. It's actually a documentary or a docufilm. And I got to view this and it's it's this beautiful art of burlesque. And many people hear the word burlesque and they immediately think, because this is what I did, uh, sexual objectification of women, uh, ogling over women, uh, women dancing to for the pleasure of a man and for his gratification. No, 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 no. Let's be clear. There is a whole different element to burlesque, to the art that is burlesque, to the therapeutic, psychological, amazing gift that is burlesque. And Kalita is literally the, the person who can explain that to us, who does this as sacred work and provides this gift to so many other people. So, A, Kalita, welcome. I'm so happy you're here. That's kind of a long intro, but I wanted to set it up so then you could just pour out all over us with, this is what I love. This is what I do. Yeah, this is this is what this is. So, welcome. Thank hi. you. Hi, hi. You know, I because of the thread of, of you introducing, and I'm so happy to be here on the couch with you and mm. and each one who's joining us on the couch too. Um, <laughs> you started out naming the light and I love that. That's, that's, that's um, what really just connects us, connects me to that in this moment is um, I'm concluding a very long, decades long relationship with, with actually where my work with burlesque began, mm. uh, which was via, um, my dance company, hot pink feathers, um, and our participation, particularly in a parade, the San Francisco carnival parade, um, yes. which we're actually participating in our final one. Hot pink feathers really is the mother. No, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> she's what allowed me to birth her mother. Does that make sense? The child came first e and then she allowed me to birth the mother. Um, mm. 
And the mother of, of this dance company is Showgirl Awakening. We're going to talk about that and kind of, what the heck do you mean by that? Just put a little yeah. bookmark, put a little bookmark there. But Hot okay. Pink Feathers is, it's where I got to connect and allow a safe space for myself and my body. I have tingles as I say it. And the women who I gathered to join me in this dance company to experience the light of our spirit through our bodies, not as an ideal or a transcendent, like, oh, I'm going to move up because so many of our, so much of what we have learned, those of us who are spirit leaning and, and, you know, feel whether we're a part of, of an organized religion or we just, um, spirituality is important to us however we claim it and express it the what we've learned this i'm talking multiple cultures not one single culture on our planet multiple cultures for a long time have looked to ignore the body to jump out to to transcend it even that word yeah. has been a lot to transcend it to, yeah. and um my experience of my belief is that we were created on purpose to be in our bodies. It's not a mistake. The bodies are not an accidental vehicle for us here. They are, our bodies are the place from which we create and mm. we co-create all the, you know, we co-create the experience that we want to have here. And if we can't love and claim being in a body. Sorry, I'm just jumped into the deep end, but I'm really- Oh, all, I love it. it was deep all from end, this, here we go. It was all from this deep word end. light that you said. Yeah. Because yeah. it's only when my body is maximally infused with my spirit that I have access to the light that I'm here to shine for myself and for anyone I come in contact with. And through, it might seem like, well, wait, so what's this connection between a dance company and having this light? It's through, through our, and actually now if you're seeing the, the visual version, I'm shimmying my shoulders right now just a little. Mm -hmm. And I invite mm -hmm. you, even if you're just listening, to just, just gently shimmy your shoulders just for a second and notice what happens. A pause, even pause the recording. And notice, do hmm. this for a minute or so. Okay, oh, now you're that. back. Mm -hmm. What did you notice? I, I, I know what I noticed. Can I ask you, Jen, what did you notice? You know what I just suddenly remembered? It, it, it felt like I was remembering being a baby or a child who was being rocked and kind of like bounced on my mom's hip, which is in, incredibly yes. held and safe. Yes, yes. And comfortable. Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, and that there, actually, and that experience, because mm -hmm, actually, because I have the pleasure, I get to see Jen right now. And yes, 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 this gentle shimmy, the shimmy and bouncing or shaking are like cousins. And there is a medicine, there is a multifaceted medicine in these simple, simple movements that anyone can do. You don't need any, yeah. any skill to. And I'm not going to talk about all the medicine and I don't even know it. It's going to take the rest of my life to unearth and articulate what the heck is happening when right. I'm sim simply on purpose, gently shimmying. But one thing is it's resetting our nervous system. Yes. It's, it's actually contributing 
to the creation of secure attachment. Uh, (laughs) There's so much going on. And then when you couple that with allowing someone else to see you, someone Mm. who's been deemed a safe space, to see you while you are... The shimmy also, I'll tell you one more thing, it it actually helps the us us animate this this particular mm. essence that I am as I shimmy yeah. it it wafts out. Do you kind of feel how the shimmy it literally it's moving? It's that yeah, it's like it, it's like an energy. It's like energetically this beautiful flow comes out from you. And to the flow to has me. a shape. It's your shape. Oh, it's your whoa. it's like the song of you. Oh my gosh, what a beautiful what a beautiful concept. Yes, yes, and I encourage, I encourage everyone. I, I do understand because like, wait a minute, this sounds so simple, and what are you talking about, the song of me? You know we yeah. all have fingerprints, and they are unique. Hey. They are absolutely yeah. never too repeated. It's not just the, the face of our thumb or our index finger that is unique. It is our whole person. Right. And the more that I feel well in my body, the more that I allow you to see my light coming through my body, not just my beautiful words, not just um, something I've created outside of myself, but through my body. Yeah. I get to affect you and the world in the best way with your consent, with my light. So thank you. That word is just I love that you started with it. And I love that you mentioned we met at the documentary. Yes. That documentary was so long in coming. Um, My dear friend, Charlie, Charlie Cologne, who actually created it, he really, he was the... Film the yeah, whole thing. tell everyone the genesis of the I'm documentary, the what it's about. Well, first, I love it. The documentary was, we wanted to do one on the dance company. And so it started a decade ago. And guess what the name of it originally was? Hmm. Light as a feather. Oh my gosh, so that's how why precious. this word is just really good. But then, but then Hot Pink Feather stopped being my main focus some years ago. And burlesque from the inside out big emphasis on from the inside out, yeah. took my main focus and has for some time. So when we actually made the documentary, it wasn't about hot pink feathers. It was about um, the process that covered, followed seven women through their experience of creating a burlesque solo from the inside out and yeah, and it, with tender and the transformation, and the transformation yeah, that occurred in them. I'd love to hear, like, just what I mean. Anything, anything that comes to mind that you. Well, first, before what comes to mind, I want to make sure I don't. Oftentimes, because you and I had the privilege of sharing this experience, yeah, we we could talk inside baseball, so to speak. Will you define yeah, Thank you. and give the history really quick? of burlesque. What is burlesque for the person who has no idea what that even is? Because there are people who don't. Yes. What is its history or its origins really quick in a, in a nutshell? And then how are you using it, exploring it and, um, creating around it with other people? 
Thank you. That's such a good question. Yes, I want us all to um, have the same context. And so I will, I'm first just going to tell you my short, short (laughs) definition, which I actually use at the beginning of shows when I'm I'm saying, because we could honestly talk for weeks or months about what is burlesque. People have different ideas. For me, burlesque is when a, when a performer takes the stage, magic happens, and the performer leaves the stage with more of her radiant essence, more visible to herself and those lucky enough to witness her. Oh, but, God, I love that yeah, right I know, there. I know, I know. Sorry, I don't want to rush over that. <sighs> right? I mean, come on, y'all. Oh, I'm jumping in because Jump this is it. how we do this. Jump on in. Y'all, this is what everyone is worthy of and needs. We are human beings, for God's sakes. Like, can we take a knee for just a second and pause and soak that in? Say that again. I will. She goes on stage. I really want you to repeat that because there is so many metaphors in it. It's when a a performer or when an artist um, takes the stage, magic happens, and that artist leaves the stage with more of her radiant essence, visible and tangible to herself and those Mm. lucky enough to witness her. It's so beautiful. Thank you. And it, it actually, it evolved for me. I, I, for years I quoted a, a dear colleague, friend of mine who, who said burlesque is when a performer takes the stage, magic happens and said performer leaves the stage with less clothing. And I, the truth is for me, the clothing that is removed, if someone chooses to, is the metaphor. The clothing is leaving and the skin visible is the metaphor for the more important movement of the radiant essence being more visible. It's like a shedding of the things that are darkening or covering or cloaked and hiding your essence. Yes. But it's, so we think burlesque, we think, we think striptease, <laughs> we think all these things. I will not quit my day job and become a singer, I promise. But that's what we, that's what we picture, right? And what you're saying is so beautiful and different. It's not And what you described in that first definition that I had you do twice is something that is absolutely about the artist and a revealing and a feeling in her essence to herself first. To herself first. And then, oh, yes, by the way, other people may have been privileged to observe it and witness it. With my consent, with my moment-to-moment consent, which actually, can we bookmark that? the consent piece I also want to this is something I want to speak of delicately because I want to be specific the song that you just hummed which is it's a classic burlesque song the truth is you can do burlesque acts to any song you want um Mm -hmm. but that but I you I love that you chose a classic 
maybe 1950s. Um, yeah, I don't even know. Yeah, like it's, yeah, but it's, it's just cemented in my brain. And that song can be the song that's chosen for someone to show up and share their radiant essence. It's, 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 um, it's an internal, it's an internal state, which I do want to name that just to honor a little bit, like the history of burlesque burlesque. Yeah. If you're, if you're tracking it as, um, having started either in the later 1800s and then really picked up, picked up speed and, um, in the more early, early 1900s, it was not about women's empowerment. I will just say that there. It was for the male gaze, and it was also used very wittily for political statements. No way. The really? shows, the strip teases in themselves, not as much, but the elements of the vaudeville show, the word burlesque originally means to make fun of. And often what was being made fun of were politics, were um, the wealthy, the government. It was, yes. So the word burlesque didn't originally have a direct um, single woman removing her clothing connotation. It did not. But it came Uh. to have that meaning over decades. And I'll say this because I find it radically interesting um, that that burlesque movement, I'm just, I'm lightly touching on it. That burlesque movement actually almost died with the sexual revolution. Isn't that ironic? And I'll, I'll tell you how. And I learned this from a burlesque legend. There were women who had careers in burlesque. Like this was, it wasn't a side job. It was their job. And, um, when the sexual revolution came around and all of a sudden you could, you could go to a club and see someone go to full nudity for less money than seeing a burlesque show. It economically just about ended the burlesque shows in which someone took more time. Uh, Anyway, I find that interesting. It didn't completely die, but it almost did. And when it came back um, more fully in the mid nineties, it was, it was, it was dying in the seventies and eighties. It didn't completely die, but when it came back in the mid nineties and then really started picking up speed in 2000 forward, um, it was remarkably more for the female, for the female gaze, for the woman herself, remarkably more. But I also want to, to name not it's not it's not nece- it's not necessarily true that just because someone is doing burlesque that they are receiving all the possible benefits of it it mm-hmm. is possible to do it for external validation as anything is sure it, to, sure to to use it as a spiritual practice and as a healing of insecure attachment yeah. or at, as a way to actually come to thrive as a highly sensitive person to use it in any one of those three ways takes the conscious, um, lots of conscious choice and lots of choosing of with whom and where am I going to perform? And will my audience be educated how to see me? 
This is such a metaphor for a sexual relationship. Ooh, Everything ooh. you just said <laughs> yes, it, is oh so much. Me. Okay. Everything you just said, if we rewind, if we were to rewind that and, and instead of talking about the artist expressing ooh. herself on a stage, ooh. it's about consent. It's about uh, uh, the the education of the person, the partner in in me. I mean, literally everything you just said is a beautiful metaphor for a healthy, vibrant, um, giving sexual relationship. Too. I love that, Jen. I know I love that's. That. Well, because I think when you used, I think you used the word consent and that immediately triggered in me thinking sexually, because that's such an important word there, especially in, in the more recent culture. And so that is a beautiful image. Yeah. I, I, I love that. It, it's the, it's almost like, I wonder if a woman who, um, experiences burlesque in the way that you're talking about, then I can't help but wonder what that does in her, the power structure in her relationships, in her sexual relationships, if she has them, um, in her conversations, her um, everything suddenly shifts right? Are yes, you, it does. Do you see that? Oh, I do. I do. In fact, sometimes I think I should give a little caveat, not just saying, I think anyone who does deep transformation work should always give a caveat. Your life may change a lot in more mm-hmm. ways than you imagine, because it's true. It does. It's, it, it, um, the newfound, I'll call it this, the newfound sense of self because it really is our very sense of ourselves as as a human, as an individual who has needs, who has the right to exist, who doesn't have to do anything for those. It change it yeah. does change everything. It does change relationships dramatically. It can, and so it's um. <laughs> is there okay? So this is going to lead to a really bizarre but relevant question. Because I immediately came to the question, what is the difference between being, be stripping and burlesque? Yay. I love that. Because I don't want people to link that necessarily. Well, I love that you're asking that. And I actually, when I earlier said, I'm going to go into some delicate territory, I'm going to make some, I'm going to make some connections that you might think, wow, that's a weird connection to make, or really that alliance and then I'm gonna, it's um, I'm gonna repeat something anyway. You're you're touching on. Um, I feel like we're actually looking at a bunch of nerves. I don't know anatomy at all, but I imagine that if someone's working <laughs> on nerves, that you have to be really careful or electrical wires. Okay, let's just touch that one and this one. But um, and there are conversations that you could follow by people who have studied and know more about this. Even then me, I want to point to Joe Weldon, who's done lots of Mm. writing, Joe Weldon, um, about um, striptease and burlesque. Um, I want to highlight for me what the important thing is, whether someone is in a modern day strip club, which which uh, 
I think uh, we all know what I mean by a modern day strip club, whether someone Mm -hmm. is in a modern day strip club or at a burlesque show in a theater or a club or wherever it's happening. If the performer is associated, if she's in her body, if she genuinely, if she's not numbing out, Mm -hmm. if she's there and if she is alive and well and and I'm not going to say healed because none of us are healed, but in the process of awakening and healing to what it means to be a person in a body willing to share their essence, it doesn't matter to me whether they're doing burlesque in a theater or in a modern mm-hmm. day strip club. If they're associated in making the choice each moment, here is my radiant essence, see me, then mm. it's the same thing. Mm. I think it's incredibly harder in a modern day strip club because of how it's all set up. It's yep. I love I love actually Joe said one simple thing that we think we can kind of hang our hat on, and I hang my hat on this. In in a strip club, you are having a relationship and like it's it's an individual commercial relationship with mm. the people who are there witnessing your show. They are clients. It's a different setup. In a burlesque show, wherever the venue is, it's, it's theater. You're playing to the whole group. You are having a relationship mm. with the group. They're not paying you individually. Mm. Does that make sense? If there's any yeah. pay at all. I'm trying mm-hmm. to find what, what, what is distinguishing and what is not distinguishing. Because you can't say... Well, it has to do with how many clothes are being removed. Am I being too specific or is this helpful? <laughs> no, it's helpful because okay, I think what happens, I think what happens is I want to extract the sexual from it mm. because I mm-hmm. think that's a mistake. I'm going to, I'm going to separate the two for a minute. Yeah. I think it's a mistake in my understanding of burlesque to even link it to sexuality. Mm, mm, mm. Because if you do in this culture, it immediately gets perverted and twisted and um, some, something something goes awry, right? And so I actually like where you're going because it's helped me it's helping me separate it. A lot of people would want to lump it all into um, it's all, it's real easy to look at it as all good or it's all bad. It's all this, it's all that. I, I think it's so much more nuanced than that. No, so you're, it's helpful. I'm so glad. And thank you for naming the sexuality piece. I happen to be a burlesque performer and mentor who almost never talks about, I mean, I specifically, I never focus on helping someone be sexy. I don't talk about it. It's because here, uh, this is the, if I had a big whiteboard, this is what I'd draw. So okay. uh, just take a point. The point is is us in the middle of the, and then lines coming. I like to make them squiggly lines coming out from this point. And on each line is one aspect of who we are. We have mm. our, create them with me, Jen. We have our intellect on one line. Yep. 
Yep. Um, we have our 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 feeling life and emotions. We have our mm-hmm. just imagine um, anyone our, who's with us or yeah, yeah, make, our, make, our spiritual, our spiritual vein. Yes, our yeah. every all um, all of our aspects, our, sen- our senses, our senses, yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. One of those lines is our sexuality. Right. It's only here. I have body chivers again. It's only when. When the light of us is is not separating our sexuality and saying, like, come over to the next room, I'm gonna show you my sexuality. That's <laughs> that's necessary, that's disembodied. That's trying right. to take out away from the rest of who I am. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, it's dead. It's yeah. it's a transaction and it's a it's 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 like trying to na- say that a person is the sum of oh they're a shoulder and a knee and it no they're a whole living being right. so that sexuality right. it, 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 you don't even have to focus on it at all when someone comes alive when they feel safe to be themselves they're emanating i like to call it vitality or this mm. life force which i which i really that's the part of sexuality, if you will, that's interesting is the life mm, force. Mm. The I'm, I'm connected. The more connected I am. So focusing mm-hmm. on being sexy or focusing on being funny, any of these things like for comics, it gets separated out. And some people do comical burlesque. And if they focus too much on being funny, it's not funny anymore. If they mm. focus on being sexy and, you know, we're inundated with, advertising like going way outside of burlesque that just of what we see in the media and how we need a whole reclaiming of what Mm. like it has to be rewritten what sexuality even is it has been i think you use the word it has been perverted in the worst way it's been stripped of its power yeah uh yeah, so that's why I just know whatever this life force, which you could say in the end, like you you saw in the short doc, you could say, you could say that those little clips of what you, the women were doing, you could say it's sexy, but in a in this so whole like oh my gosh, mm-hmm. it's like there she is. Yeah, she's so so integrated. She's so even that's too boring and psychological a term. It's just like she's not missing. No part of her is missing. Oh, my gosh. It's it is. It's like we attach because of culture, we attach sexuality and some kind of sexual meaning to something. But if you think about it, I mean, you have, I love that you said life force and vitality, because all of a sudden I pictured that being with all the squiggly lines <laughs> and they're there, the whole being and all of those squiggly lines are a means of expressing life force, of expressing vitality, of expressing the joie de vie, yes. the, the, um, the Pura Vida, there's all these like terms I keep thinking of that are all over the world. There's a cultural, yeah, it's life force. And so sexuality, let's say someone chooses to express their life force that way is one small, honestly, way of many a person could express 
It's an avenue. Okay. There's so much. All right. I want to take a quick break and then come back. And I want to talk more. We, we bookmarked consent. I want to come back about that. And, um, and I want to tell you to my theory on, um, what you're doing and the womb. Because I am all about the womb. Yes. And the womb in a, in a, in a, actually in a woman's body and what it is so emblematic of. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Oh my gosh. I can't wait. Okay. Kalita, um, we left off and I want to, before we talk about consent, yes, I want to tell you this concept. Two things came to mind as you were talking. When you were talking earlier about historically, um, I think you said it was the women's liberation movement suddenly actually almost ended burlesque, right? Yes. Do I, did yes. I get that yes, right? Yes, you did. You know, what came to mind is that that which holds the power to liberate us was actually perhaps labeled oppressive or wrong by that, but it actually holds the power to liberate a person. And isn't that interesting because of the constructions we've created around it? And again, my whole goal in thing, conversations like this in pod, in this podcast and other avenues through which I like to elevate and amplify ideas and new conversations and new perspectives is we have a limited view on something. We have a very limited exposure or lived experience. And so we have put something in a box and judged it or labeled it. And then we're really missing so much. And so by having a conversation like this, I want to open the door to possibility of understanding people, obviously, first and foremost, more deeply, but just, just what is possible to me, there's so much that is possible in the world and in just this magnificent universe we're in. And so that being said, then what's possible with something like this? Let's not put it in a box and label it and decide, um, it's wrong or it's not for us or whatever. It's just, let's just be curious and pr- approach things with wonder and awe and explore and how beautiful that could be and how important that is for our psyche. Like you talk a lot in, in your bio and in your book about the psyche. And I, I don't want to miss that. Okay. Yeah. So will you talk about the psyche and also consent from the standpoint of I really believe that's an important, I believe those two go together. Oh, for sure. Consent and the healthiest psyche. But will you, will you flesh that out a little bit? Absolutely. Um, so 
we can only give consent if we're home. I can mm. only give consent, especially around something to do with my body, if I am currently getting the most up-to-date information from my body. And when I say the most up-to-date, I mean not just day by day or week by week, second by second. Hmm. And this means if you're, if you're looking at it just for simplicity, like during the three or four minutes of a burlesque act, mm-hmm. let's say I have a plan. Um, I have a choreography and in the choreography, if I am choosing to, because it's, if I've planned it this way and I'm at the, you know, the second chorus, when, when there's a trill in the piano, um, that's when I'm planning to remove my bra and reveal my pasties, which are usually bejeweled nipple covers, for those of you who have not heard that term yet. Um, <laughs> for those of you who don't own pasties. Right, right. Um, so that maybe, would be helpful. Right. So I love it. I love it so much. So here I am, and that part of the music is coming. But let's say I actually somehow... I don't feel completely comfortable. Something in me, Mm. I just, I actually don't feel like removing my bra at that time. Yeah. I, first of all, I have to be very, very, very present because a lot of adrenaline can run. Yes. It's very Mm. exciting in the middle of a performance. So it's advanced to know and track. How am I feeling in the second? What do I want? How am I feeling? What do I want to share? second Mm. by second. And if I track that in that moment, oh, it would actually feel better just to give a little wink or a little roll of my shoulder or a little twinkle Mm. of my fingers. Do Mm. that instead. I implore you, do that instead. There's actually a, there's a line that was almost the byline of a guidebook that I wrote, but we ended up putting it on the back cover because we thought, it might be misunderstood. It's never, ever, mm. ever show a disembodied boob. <laughs> I will repeat it. Never, ever, ever show a disembodied boob. And I mean it. So if, if, I'm, if I'm just tuned in, and this, this works now that this, you have shared this parallel metaphor of how it is with, um, with your partner or you know, with someone, in, two people engaging in... Um, in sex together, it's very, very similar. Mm-hmm. If I'm not, if I'm just tuning into the other person or just tuning into the audience, what do they want now? What do they want now? What do they want now? As my barometer, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, con- consent isn't something you just give and there it's static. Because I've consented to begin my act in front of you doesn't yeah. mean I'm consenting even to the choices I made about that act in the days and weeks prior. So to really give consent is a waking up every second to how does it feel to be me right now? How does it feel to be me right now? And making new choices according to what actually feels safe. What's safe, what's safe is what allows me to remain here. If I start to feel a little bit like less like me, kind of numbed out, this is where the psyche and the psychological development comes in. So I'm going to back up, mm-hmm. the back okay. up to childhood. 
Um, and here's a term that is becoming, I'm so happy there are more books being written about this, both for therapists and for lay people. But this term mm -hmm. is new. It's just, I believe it's just coming into be, being written into the DSM. I think we're at five now. That's the big, it's the Bible yep. of um, psychological um, right health. Diagnoses. That, well, look, diagnoses, mm -hmm. really. Yes. Yeah. And it is complex PTSD. PTSD itself has been in the DSM for several decades, but complex PTSD. This is, my, I am not a therapist. I'm just going to disclaimer. I am not, okay. a, um, I am not a therapist. And um, so these, are, these are the views of this speaker <laughs> that Thank you. we yeah. all, and I mean, all of us uh, um, have some degree of complex PTSD, and I'm going to distinguish it from PTSD. PTSD okay. is when, let's say, you've gone to war, and you know, you, uh, or it's from. It, I have a, a very clinical, not term. Um, PTSD is from boom, boom trauma, where something okay. really clearly uh, happened. It's like everything yep. was going fine, and then there was a car boom. accident. Or yep. I was shot, or I was assaulted. Um, very, very clear. And after that incident or series of incidents, my life was different. That's a simple okay. way. That's boom, boom trauma, and that's PTSD. Okay. And we know we have wonderful methods. We, as a as a species, now have wonderful methods for healing PTSD. It's yes. uh, drip drip trauma, which is my other not technical term, but I feel it so clearly. Just think of it. Mm -hmm. Drip, drip, one mm -hmm. drip after the next. Mm -hmm. It's almost like having a drip, drip of anesthesia all the time. Drip, drip trauma mm -hmm. is very close to complex PTSD. I'm going to just say some other names in case, case people have heard these. Developmental trauma, very similar. Okay. Attachment okay. trauma, very similar. Relational trauma. What this, what I'm referring to here, and how it relates to those moments of how can I, how can I know what's safe and welcoming to me every second? Not just of me doing my act, but of me living in the world. How can I be maximally myself and maximally safe? It takes yeah. addressing what I'm giving all these different names: drip, drip, trauma, developmental, CPT, PTSD. That it comes from. This is most humans have some degree of it, maybe just a little, maybe quite a yeah. lot. Um, it comes from intergenerational trauma, and it's very simple. It's the tra the traumas and the hurts and the heartbreak and the loss that those yeah. who came before us, my mom, my mom's mom, my mom's mom's mom, whatever didn't get healed behaviorally, relationally goes on to the next generation. Until, oh, yeah. until it's healed. Yeah. And it's, until, it's, until healed. it's healed, until it's healed. And so mm -hmm. let's say, and one thing, when it's not safe, and I'm just going to say really, really simply, there mm -hmm. are two things that every human longs for to, to belong uh -huh. and to be fully expressed. Oh, to belong I and to be fully expressed. But if there is a conflict between the two, 
Oh my goodness. Belonging, belonging to, get, gets the attention because as little children, belonging to our family, whoever they were, whether it was our biological parents or other caregivers, our survival was at stake. Yeah. Our survival was at stake. So we had to give up the full expression in order to belong. And belonging, hopefully I'm chunking this down in ways that can land. I, I do realize I'm I'm speaking to a vast amount of things, but this is what I want everyone yeah. to know. Oh, I love Every this. Every human has no, to this... know this. So let's say yeah. the generational trauma has been passed down on my mom's line to the degree that, that full joy is not safe. Because who knows why? We right. don't even have to know why. Full joy yep. is not safe. So I smile at my mama. I'm a little, I'm a little one-year-old baby. I give her my full smile. Yep. She gives me half smile back. You can practice mm. this with people. Just to see how it feels. You can instruct someone in a dyad. I'm going to smile at you full tilt and I want you to give me half smile back and see how that feels. It's awful. So we learn as little ones. I'm just picking on joy as one thing. So I learn to not smile as big. I'm already tapping down my full expression. And also just think of this. Little children might run around. Oh, just enjoy throw off their top. Out of the sheer joy of being alive. It's hot. Yeah, And oh my God, the sexual trauma that has gone on for all the, the not feeling safe in the body. I mean, oh my God, put the top on the child. And, you know, anyway, we uh, learn we, that, to belong. Uh, oh my gosh, there's something wrong with my body. It, these things don't have to be said. They, they, they get transmitted through a look. Anyway, mm-hmm. so we default to trying to belong, but we try to belong in a way that cuts us off from our life force the same way that happened for the previous generation. So there, that's the developmental trauma. How does it heal? Mm-hmm. We're, I'd say we're, as a, from what I, from my tracking, I'm tracking this research a lot. And I track people who are mm-hmm. really good at following the research and then speaking it in a way that I can understand. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, Sarah Payton is one, one such person, P-E-Y-T-O-N sarahpayton.com amazing interpersonal neurobiology um yeah excellent can't say enough good um Mm. so one way one way the way that i engage to help heal my own developmental trauma and that of the women that i'm lucky enough to work with is we learn how to be a life-giving mirror to each other. It's kind of like that exercise with the mom not smiling as big as us. So when I witness, when I witness someone who's sharing a bit of her light and we start out really small, 30 seconds, Mm. 40 seconds, Mm -hmm. I, and, and this isn't like, I haven't learned, I don't have a script of, Oh yeah, I'm, 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 noticing what happens in my body while I witness her coming to life in hers. So my job is to track me. So it's actually the healing is going both ways. So her light, maybe she's just shimmying. Maybe she's just shimmying for 10 seconds in front of me, giving me the consent to witness her. I notice what happens in my body, which is, oh, whatever it is, I might have a little grief because I've not had access to my shimmy. Probably mm. I'll feel at least some joy. And mm-hmm. I re- 
And I reflect to this woman what happened to me. And she reflects to me what happened in her body as she, what did it feel like to be her? What did it feel like to be her, letting me see her awake, alive, and expressing through her body. I'm not saying this the best, but but um, yeah. tell me any any questions about that. I mean, this is how this is yeah. how I'm getting. I'm training myself to tolerate. I know that sounds like a weird word to tolerate instances in which I'm fully expressed and I'm fully belonging, mm. because I learned early on that they can't coexist. So I'm actually yeah, that's, unlearning that's- and relearning. <gasps> I can survive because basically survival, that's why we're so afraid of all of this because we learned that we couldn't survive it. Right. That's, that's what I was getting was, is, is okay. Belonging, full expression, being fully expressed is not the enemy of belonging as we have, as it's often been made out to be. You have to, dumb tamp down or dumb down or hide Numb. so that you can belong. Um, so a, that's not true, but B it's interesting that I thought you were going to say our two primary human needs were going to be belonging and safety. Well, safety, if you think about what our mind does to keep us small and invisible, especially in patriarchal societies where, uh, for women, you needed to be small and invisible to stay safe. And um, that meant not speaking up. That may not ex- be the full expression of who you were. Yeah. Because that would be unsafe and risky, right? Um, or frowned upon. So what I'm looking at here is removing safety and going, oh my gosh. Okay. So full expression of oneself I mean, to me, is there anything more beautiful in an existence than belonging as you are fully expressing yourself? There isn't anything. And that joy, I can't think of, I mean, that's it. Me too. That's the goal. (laughs) That's everything. And then that a woman across from you or an audience or no one, or or no one. Or no one, but it's a little different when there's no one. It's a beautiful thing happening, but it's a different thing. Yes. Yes. I could, I could see that. That, that's just super interesting and super important to me to, to remember. Jen, can I, I don't, can I add something yeah. that helps me? Thank you so Please. much for reflecting that. Cause I know it was a lot, the, the belonging I would put in there safety and belonging as the one thing. Safety oh, and belonging they are together. Is, yeah. Safety and belonging mm. together. And then our, full our full human expression as as the as the other so yes the safety is important but the drag is it's not an intellectual understanding Mm. that that resolves the the issue of our basically the belonging and safety stuff it it, it comes out as attachment attachment Mm -hmm. issues but if our full belonging threatens our attachment, we ditch the full belonging. Even if mm. we understand, it's not about understanding. It's about actually having a felt sense experience of surviving, being seen as our full self, 
mm-hmm. and still being safe and belonging, even if it's just the belonging to the person we just met who's doing an exercise with us. So yeah. it only the, I mean, I could get technical and talk about the amygdala, but I won't unless you say to. <laughs> I mean, it actually, it's pretty, it, I think it's a simple chunk, but I'm going to, I'm going to ask Do you. it. Okay. Yeah, so, tell me. So tell the me. amygdala is part of the brain that if something, if something traumatic happened, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I could have been three months in utero or three mm-hmm. years old. Mm-hmm. If something shocking and scary to me happens and I'm not allowed to completely feel the whole thing, to go through all the feeling yeah. states of it, like I get... Yeah. I might not even have the ability to feel it yet until later. Yep. It that 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 event stays in the amygdala and guess what? The amygdala has no idea. Like I'm 54 now. I mm. have traumas still. I've healed a lot of them, but I have traumas still. <laughs> when I when I have a when I'm triggered in my life and that um that Trump something is similar or it smells like or it's somehow mm-hmm. like it was when that trauma happened. My amygdala mm-hmm. does not know that I was three years old then and I'm 54 now and that it is not, it is, I am no longer three years old. No, no, no. It has no time stamp. So until I get to feel the completion of what happened in real uh-huh. time, doesn't mean I have to go back and re-experience the trauma. I just need to bring loving attention to the little yeah. one who didn't get to fully feel the completion, when it completes, yeah. then that event gets stored in our historical memory, which is another part of Whoa. the brain that I don't remember. So basically, the amygdala is holding on to these all any of these traumas, and once they kind of get loaded up on the screen of our experience, yeah, we don't know that we're not three. No intellectual Uh learning is going to do anything about that. It comes from a physical and emotional actually being safe to feel the rest of it. I'm, I know it's ridiculous. So, so, so it actually, unfortunately you could do talk therapy for 30 years. And if the talk therapist slowly, more and more therapists are learning about this. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. There has to be some way that we can complete mm-hmm. those traumas can complete and become historical memory rather than relived experience again and again, over and over. And so, physical movement. Think about the power of our body and physical movement as one tool to help facilitate that. Yes. One tool. Which is why I I was with a therapist once. Actually, she wasn't a therapist, but she, she doesn't matter. She's amazing. And she said, let's process something. And as we were on zoom processing and talking about it, we were constantly moving, stretching, opening up our hips, doing different things. Um, She felt movement was absolutely essential to both accessing language around things and expressing and moving it. I say yes to that. And you know that movement is a big modality for me and I love it and I love it. And some understanding also, and this is why uh, after doing, after doing 
dance with people and realizing all the healing that was happening, I realized also that understanding on a brain level and uh, how change works, it's the marriage of these. It's the marriage of, mm, it's the marriage of it. Yeah. So there, yeah. there's, there's, um, and it's rare. It's rare that I find places where all of that, the whole somatic experience and the whole yeah. neuro, neurophysiological is actually all understood and worked with altogether. And I'm so hungry for that. And that's one thing that I yeah. stand for is having all of it. Yeah. I mean, we're exquisitely designed as these complex beings and it is not just our mind. It is not just our body. It is not just our soul and spirit. They're all three, this beautiful, exquisite balance totally. and they work together and and I know I have been saying this has been the theme this year and everyone hears me talk about it a lot when they listen to the podcast is this idea that I had a mind that ran this totalitarian regime and silenced um, my body and my spirit. And what I learned recently through a coach was um, she said, you, you know, Jen, your mind is the voice of the ego, the personality, the culture, but your body is your voice of your spirit and soul. And so you um, getting more paying attention to your body and listening to it and noticing feelings, noticing um, something in your gut, noticing an intuition or an instinct. Um, how something feels when you, when you don't, I've shut that down for so long. I, I didn't notice it. And I know this is common for a lot of people. So I thought, wow, this is, so my soul and spirit, um, were not able to be expressed because the body was shut down. Yeah. Cause the mind would just talk me out of anything. The soul and spirit were trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and so this is what this, what all of the embodiment and burlesque and this entire conversation and trauma, all of that um, begs us to look at those three components of who we are. Absolutely. Body, spirit, soul. Yeah. Spirit. I put spirit and soul together I, and, yeah, I and think mind. We putting them together works for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that's really beautiful. And, and what you're doing. So I mentioned the womb earlier because yeah. this is becoming very much the guiding force picture narrative of much of my work, holding space for people, especially women, um, the feminine Le leadership collective that I'm developing. Amazing. I keep going back to the womb and what the womb is. If you think about it, both physiologically and as a metaphor, it is a space mm. where life is created, where it is nourished and grown, and then where we give birth to something, whether that is humanity or our ideas or our expression or our art or a meaningful sacred work, whatever it is, uh, that's what a womb is. And so I feel like what you're creating in your work, in the space you hold for people, in um, 
in the stage, in the, in the Zoom room, where, where you do all this, it's like this space where um, one is safe and protected in this container. It is a place where life, um, life is created and then there's nourishment and growth allowed. And then we midwife one another, you know, we, we birth something beautiful into the world totally. in this person, let's say. And, and I just love that image so much. I can't stop talking about it. Everyone who's been around me since I went to Costa Rica and, and, and what happened was I was on retreat in Costa Rica and I was given the rite of the womb as a ritual. It was, I was bestowed upon me by another, what's called womb keeper. And she was wow. offered it by someone, a priestess in Machu Picchu. It's like this beautiful lineage and story. It's so beautiful and it's so wondrous. And I just thought, oh. and it was precisely what um, I felt for me, I call God. God spoke to me just, yes, this is exactly by design, this beautiful creative process. And yes, holding space for other people um, is, is the, the quality of a womb is very much that, you know what I'm saying? I so, so much too. <laughs> oh, so yeah, I just want yeah. you to know, like, you're such a womb keeper. You're such a, a space, you hold space for people. You, um, offer something that's so challenging, but also nourishing and wonderful in your work and in this conversation. I mean, I just, I look at my notes and what I'm learning and what I now know that I can't unknow that I'm, I can understand a little more deeply and pursue and pay attention to with awe and wonder. <sighs> I love that. Yeah, right? I love that. I know. Oh my gosh. I know. Oh my gosh. And, and just, you're actually reminding me that um, there was a a, a mentorship um, that we shortened to an acronym. It was your life is your work of art, W O A work of art mentorship. W O A M. What does that sound like when you say it? Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Oh, so womb, I relate very much to that. And, um, Honestly, I would say that the space holding aspect I experience as the most, the most powerful piece mm -hmm. of what we can share with each other, period. Mm -hmm. There's really nothing, nothing more powerful. Anything we could do or suggest comes way second and way third to holding the non-judgmental space, the space in which another can safely come alive. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and uh, in my women speak circles, one of our principles and women speak is where women learn the art and soul of speaking and finding their voice and crafting mm -hmm. their message and authentically expressing it. And we use a phrase that goes right in alignment with what you just said. And it's that you listen so deeply for a woman, she cannot help but blossom in your presence. Absolutely. That's right in there with what you just said. It just same. gave me shivers. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Or so, so listen for a person. I don't want to just say women. I, yes. I uh, for, for a person Absolutely. Any, anyone. that they can't help but blossom in their, in your presence, that they feel seen, heard, known, valued 
in their fullest expression of who they are. I love that. I think that's so lovely. Oh, thank you. We could go on for I know hours. That. I know we that. could go on for hours. But for today, we will close it out. And I just, I want you to know how much I appreciate you. I'm going to put all of the wonderful ways people can find you and connect with you in the show notes. And y'all, I will also, every author and person we referred to, you'll see them in the show notes as well. Amazing. So you can go find them. Amazing. Absolutely. That's so important. I, I, I thank you for being a part of this movement, really, this idea that we can have conversations that are the antidote to the echo chamber. That's the goal of this podcast. And honestly, selfishly, I am the luckiest human in the world that I get to have conversations with people that I just adore and want to know more deeply or I know nothing of and have had a totally different opinion, life experience, worldview spiritual beliefs, whatever, that I get to talk with them and know them and then get my paradigm expanded and shifted where necessary. Oh, I feel like the luckiest person on planet earth. So thank you for indulging me, Khalid. Jen, I'll sit on your couch any day. What a total <laughs> pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for all of <laughs> thank the you, my friend. ways that I got to see all of this anew through your eyes also. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. All right, y'all. So happy you were here. I hope you do a little shimmy with your shoulders, no matter who you are. Maybe you're going to do a little shimmy right now because it feels good with your hips or your shoulders, just because it feels good and because you deserve it. <laughs> and because we can, we can move our bodies and, or maybe it's a little wink, or maybe it's just a putting your hand on your heart right now and just going, oh, it's me. I'm, I want to be more fully expressed in this one moment right now. I want more of me to come out so the world can see you and know you. I just wish that for everyone this week and we will see you next time. Talk to you soon. Bye. Listen for Real is produced in Rockland, California and is edited and mixed with the help of Mark Edward. Our music, entitled Zero, is written and performed by Shannon Curtis. If you believe conversations like these belong in the world, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And even better, share it with someone else as a real conversation starter. We'll see you next time.